0: Make me an instrument, Yes, But is. What is risen? Where there is hatred. Where there is sorrow. Where there is danger. Pardon. Where there is doubt. Thank you, oh God, O Jesus. Where there is despair.
1: Want I, to know, to I want one. to know if you're a fox or a hedgehog.
0: I don't know. I think a hedgehog. Well, we're he going to find out. Let's dig <laughs> <Today> into it. Today <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> dump, 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 <laughs> dum. Uh, my name is Travis Sintel. Uh I'm a writer and uh, I guess generalist, so probably a hedgehog. And uh, I'm currently working in film and television, writing a script right now for features. And then I wrote uh, a show called, for a show called Electric Dreams on Amazon last year. And the year before that, I wrote and helped produce a show called Believer with Reza Aslan for CNN, which is a religious show. And uh, now I'm just kind of like finding my way.
2: I met Travis through my wife, Danielle, because you have known her for
0: a decade or more. A decade, yeah. How'd you guys meet? At a uh, New Leaders Council event, which is like a progressive organization in the Los Angeles area. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Makes sense. And would be at that kind of <laughs> Yeah, <meeting>. yeah. <laughs> checks out. It all checks out. Um. She was like 21. She's like, hi, I'm a new leader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ready pretty to
0: lead much. human I've beings. I've showed up to lead. <laughs> I'm here to lead. Where's the leader line?
2: Yeah, pretty much. But what was interesting is like the way she always described you to me was, was being involved in magic. Mm. Um, I know you're involved in a lot more. It kind of seems like you've almost transcended that, but that's always been a part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, atheist. Mm-hmm. but very warm and kind of like a uh, very endearing interest in Christianity specifically and religion.
0: It's one of my degrees, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. What What was your degree in?
0: Religion, philosophy, psychology, undergrad, and then a writing master's.
2: Okay. Those two things seem like they've very much merged in your adult life, the even, writing and the...
0: <laughs> yeah, even then, though, in college, I... Uh, I was multidisciplinary. I had a minor in theater and then those three majors. And they were like, what are you up to? Like, yeah. What are you doing? And to me, those, along with probably sociology and anthropology, those were the areas I thought, well, that's all the things I'm interested in. This is the intersection of how and why people believe the things they believe. Mm. That's what I wanted to study. And magic's the same thing to me. So all of those studies were, for me, the same different arrows into the same sort of morass of information which is what's up with people mm-hmm. <laughs> why do you think that why do i think that what's wrong with my brain what's right with my brain how does it work yeah how do societies function so all those things were an early interest of mine and um i think magic is a natural outgrowth of that as is writing Writing's the one place i think not the one place it writing's a place where you can um light different fires and let them burn a little bit and, mm. and look at them from different angles and try to figure it out so Interesting. So, one of
2: the things I definitely don't want to walk away from this conversation without getting is kind of um, your thoughts on religious culture and what you've learned about human behavior and human nature that lets you not be cynical about religion, because having a background in magic and mentalism. Is magic the, the term I should be using? It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. Magic They're and called mental. illusions, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> a trick is something a whore does for money. But where did the lighter fluid come yeah. from? <laughs> um, yeah. So this this interest you have in the human condition and what makes us tick and what all the things we can are capable of accomplishing and doing, one of those being making religion and and having these systems... And yet you also understand human nature and like could easily explain like why religion or God is is not real just because of the way that humans work, if that makes sense. Basically, what I'm trying to get at is like Travis has a fondness for religion and is very interested in learning what people think. Yet you've worked in a field where you've constantly picked at how people work, how their sight line works um how how easily it is to talk them into a thought mm-hmm. or to um convince them to pick a certain thing and you love darren brown darren brown has also done a huge uh show on netflix called uh miracle mm-hmm. right where he basically imitates faith healing so i'm always fascinated by people because we're surrounded by a bunch of cynical people who like fuck church and like they have one bad thing happen between them and a pastor then they're anti-religion forever anti-god and you're like okay cool you have like seen all of these things you can you can pick apart why faith healing works why these trends blow up why people give millions of dollars to the church and go that's all horseshit like I know how that works and I can actually recreate it Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually kind of like your religion tell me about it you know I'll Mm -hmm. go to church on Sunday like it's like you have this weird paradox in you
0: I love people I love religion earnestly and honestly like and I always have like that's why that's why I studied philosophy and religion and psychology in college like I It comes from a genuine place and the more I learn about people, the more I love them. I think people are incredible and amazing and I don't, and the journey of human history to make sense of this world that we have, of course, religion is the place that you start. Like, of course, religion develops and how beautiful is that? And I, I, the older I get, the more I sort of vibe with different thinkers who sort of look at religion from a more nuanced perspective. Um... Elaine de Botton, we've talked about, I think, off air, Colton, being mm-hmm. one of those people who says, you guys are really missing the boat here if you toss religion out, because it's the only incubator we have. It's our first attempt. It's our first swing through to explain the world. It's our first swing through social psychology. It's our first swing through community building and governmental hierarchies and structures. Like, these are, these are how tribes sort of organize themselves in a certain way. And if you throw all that out because of some obscure... I don't know, uh, uh, understanding about the world that we're sort of coming to, you're missing everything. You've thrown the baby out with the bathwater in- entirely. And so, uh, you know, he describes himself as I think some version of I'm religious without the supernatural stuff attached mm-hmm. to it, which is kind of always how I've ended up describing myself is that I love church. I love religion. I love community. I love ritual. Um, I mean, that's why Catholicism appealed to me in a certain way. I like the ritual. I like standing and kneeling and standing and kneeling. I like the lit- liturgy. I like that. Um, there's an innate call to me. You know, in, in college, I always responded. I know I'm circling on circling. No, on no, on no, this it. is great. I, uh, in college, I responded really hard to Kierkegaard and the numinous aspects of his theology. I loved Martin Buber, like the I-thou dichotomy. I was like, I get that. I know what that is. I have a connection to that. Um, and so for me, there was a sense of transcendent supernaturalism that I felt, I kind of got, I understood it. I believed some things that I no longer believe, um, not just religious-based, but supernatural-based, New age Beliefs, stuff like that, which we're, I'm happy to get into, but but I, I wanted to to feel what it was, not just to understand cognitively, but I wanted to feel in my heart what these things are, and and because that's part of what a person is. Religion doesn't just come out of nowhere; it's it comes from the things that we need as humans. There are these gaps in us that need to be filled that in our hearts and our minds? And I think religion has evolved to really fill those gaps in a really beautiful way. And so for me, religion doesn't make me dislike people. It makes me love them. And magic doesn't make me judge people. It makes me love them because you understand the more I learn about human flaws, the more I think it's amazing that, that we've got this far, that we've come as far as we have, that we are the society building machine that we are. Hmm. And there's flaws in humans, obviously. But you know, if you look at the, the brain, not as a rational organ, but as a rationalizing organ, it makes a lot of sense. And you go, oh, we just want to make sense of things. And how, how beautiful is that to want to make sense of the world around you and each other? And so for me, religion is the best incubator for those ideas. There's just not a better one. And so if you love people, I think you have to love religion. And I don't have much time for people who are aggressive atheists or dismissive of people's honestly felt lived experiences. I have no time for it. I, I don't. I don't understand why you would negate someone's personal experience. It doesn't make sense to me. And I I disregard them as as quickly as I disregard the super fundamentalist religious people of any stripe. I just don't have time for
1: it. (laughs) You describe your, you describe your atheism. Your atheism is like an exact mirror of the way I describe my faith or my Christianity. Like I am like. I
2: always told you you're not a Christian. Yeah,
1: like <laughs> I, great. like I, like y- it's um, you don't believe, in, <laughs> and if I'm getting this wrong, please correct me. It sounds like you don't believe in like a metaphysical transcendent God, but you're interested in religion. Mm-hmm. I believe in a metaphysical transistent, uh, tra- like some sort of metaphysical divine. But I'm not interested in religion. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting hearing you talk about religion with this sort of uh, a certain amount of reverence or at least respect while like not being interested in what all of that is kind of built.
0: To. Oh, I'm very interested in that. Oh, okay. I, 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 of course, that's where you start is what's real. And to mm-hmm. me, there's a sense of morale. For me, my personal morality is based around truth. And for me, it's not just being honest to people, but it's being honest with myself and constantly every day asking, what if I'm wrong? What does that look like? Okay. And this is hard for me, and it's a skill that like took me four or five years to really, not not, not that it's a skill I have now, but I strive for it. Um, but I had a, a, a an encounter with a new age thing that happened in college, and uh, it led me to say, okay, wait, what if I'm wrong? not just in a passive way, like actively, okay, what if I'm wrong? What does that look like? Let me go try to prove the opposite of what I believe. And I spent like a year trying to disprove the things I believed. Um, And to me, that was not a search for community understanding or humanity. It was like, what's real here? Like what what is functionally real? And if I believe something that I think is, as I have unexamined, Uh, Or is probably not true if I think if I thought more about it, so I don't want to go there. Then I'm being fundamentally dishonest to myself, and and that to me is a moral sin, for lack of a better term. Like that's that's where my morality takes me is that I got to question things. I got to question myself because I think, honestly, if we are to improve as a species, a thing that I love, human beings, if we're to to survive, become more equitable, more gentle, more, you know, uh, community driven. We got to deal with reality. We got to be honest about things, and so all of that started for me with a with an honest examination of what I thought there was evidence for, what I thought was real, where evidence, where where my beliefs came from, and going back to the foundation of those things, and so, you know, I I I looked at those with a real hard eye, and then you wrestle with, well, if that goes away, this other stuff has to go too, and that sucks, and is that am I willing to do that? And eventually, it was. Well, let me get rid of the if this, then that idea and go, let me just look at what's, what I think is true. And that was probably a decade of that, of just like reading both sides. Every time someone gave me a book that they believed in, I'd, re- I'd read it cover to cover. Chuck Colson, you know, Ann Coulter, who- whoever it was, like, I'd read it. And then I'd go talk to them about it and say, okay, here's my problems with this. And then they would tell me what they liked about it or whatever. So that's a that's a long way of saying that, no, 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 I thought very, I th- thought and less now but to some degree still think about a transcendental you know uh intercessory god uh, for sure i do but i i haven't i found a million reasons why that idea would exist if it wasn't true and i have yet to find any reason why i think it does exist objectively so that's that's where i'm at and, and I'm, I'm i'm not an atheist in that i don't i don't I, there's no god that's not mm-hmm. my atheism mm-hmm. my atheism is more of like einstein or spinoza or something which is I see no intercessory uh, action. I've, I've seen no no evidence for that. Um, I don't have a. You can't dis, you can't prove a negative. I, I believe in God the same way I believe in unicorns or goblins. Like for sure they could be true. I don't know. I've never seen one. Uh, and and you can't disprove something. That's the black swan idea, right? So I I'm open to the possibility of it. I I, I don't. I see no reason to need it. I don't need it. I-
2: okay. You know that bongo normally signifies that our guest has said something Dan or I kind of want to examine in depth. But after listening back to our interview with Travis and spending a few weeks thinking about the specific arguments he provided to support atheism, I finally had to admit that I don't have much to say in response. If anything, I just feel like this was a good opportunity to pause and acknowledge that I've come to a place in life where I actually enjoy and respect when a person can make an educated, eloquent argument against something I believe in. Granted, I still get mildly irritated when someone flippantly compares believing in God to believing in unicorns or goblins, but when Travis does it, there's such a gentle, well-informed honesty to his perspective that it almost releases me from any combative theological instinct ingrained in me from years of religious education. Plus, isn't there enough argumentative shit on TV and social media today anyway? It's like we're more uncomfortable than ever when we hear facts that support an opposing viewpoint. And that leads me to one quick insight I can share with you before I completely shortchange this episode's voiceover. And that is the Black Swan analogy that Travis briefly mentioned. The Black Swan reference is not about that creepy-ass Natalie Portman movie, but rather a theory popularized by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who wrote about the power of randomness and what happens when widespread, culturally accepted truths are shattered by one pivotal event. Taleb's reference comes from medieval England when people use the phrase Black Swan Sort of the same way we use the phrase, when pigs fly. Like a few years ago, when people used to say, yeah, Trump will become president when pigs fly, and then boom, a flying orange pig landed right in the White House. The original flying pig, however, was the black swan, which no one knew existed until we discovered Australia. See, back when no one knew about Australia, basically right before the Hemsworth brothers came to Hollywood, no one had ever seen a black swan, and it seemed so contradictory to the core idea of white swans, that it became a running joke and then a widely accepted truth. Now, a black swan event has three essential characteristics. First, they're hard to predict since we have no reason to believe that they will ever happen. Second, they have a massive impact on society like 9-11 or the invention of the computer and the Internet. Third, and here's the curveball, they are retrospectively predictable translation. We rationalize that we could have predicted them and work to eliminate any sense of randomness in the world. Now, one of the things that stands out to me about Travis is that he's unusually comfortable, upbeat and positive about the great mysteries of life. He seems to welcome being surprised and dare I say, being wrong. This led me to connect some dots about people who say things like Travis did about not needing there to be a God. Because I believe so many people in the American church today need there to be a god just to get out of bed in the morning or to justify so many of their moral judgments or to alleviate the fear of death and the pain of their loved ones dying. Taleb writes all about how humans constantly come up with stories to make the future seem more predictable than it actually is. So God and salvation could be just another hardwired attempt to avoid so many of life's impending black swan moments, like what happens when we die life and especially the afterlife are a continual black swan moment i'll get more into theories on life after death in the next episode with our friend ryan diddy who has stage 4 pancreatic cancer but for this episode i just wanted to pause and emphasize the beauty of not knowing and the transformative ability to accept life's mysteries and all the seeming randomness that comes with it if you haven't heard of mysticism or richard Rohr, this is my obligatory once in episode promotion of both because I swear, mysticism turned my life and faith upside down for the good in ways that I'm still trying to recover from and internalize. Mysticism has taught me how to embrace religion and science and to hold them both lovingly and look for the truth between them. So when our next black swan moment comes, we can either rationalize it spiritually, like all things work together for the glory of God, or make sense of it scientifically, or we can learn to embrace life and God as one amazing mystery and utilize what we learn from religion and science again this podcast is brought to you by mysticism and if you accept the holy spirit into your heart and soul today you'll get 20 percent off salvation for you and a friend by using the promo code who the fuck knows at checkout that's who the fuck knows all caps no spaces at checkout back to travis I like, think what's so awesome. interesting though, like, I the thing I've never been able to shake because I grew up with a very hard and fast religious mindset of like be, this, that kind of syllogism that you're talking about, like, you had to shed of like, if this, then that. Mm. Like, if human beings are beautiful and we do cool shit, then that must mean we are worth more than just the 75 years we get here.
0: But acor- that, see, according the, to who?
2: According, well, religion. Like, yeah, but know? like, but what do you mean?
0: <laughs> but, but why is. Uh, yeah, we're I mean, meaning George, making machines. Yeah, but George I mean? Bernard Shaw like wrestled with that too. Like 75 years is too short to become a full adult according to him, which yeah. I kind of agree, but but according to who? Like these are all just things we slapped on top of people. When it, yeah. it, when if you think that evolution is real and you think we evolved from animals and we are animals, then everything's beautiful cuz we're just working it out, man. We're trying not to kill each other, we're trying to find the best way of governing ourselves. You know, it I, to me, this way of thinking impacts all my political beliefs, all that stuff. Which is, I I don't want to be a, a didactic, like preachy authoritarian guy. I want to be someone who's non who's non binary means something different now. I <laughs> I don't I want to be a percentage based belief believer, not a binary believer. Right? I I don't yeah. I don't want to be someone who says because it's very hard to move from black to white it's very easy to move from 85% black to 75% black, right? Uh-huh. So it makes it easier to change your mind. It makes it easier to sort of engage with people in a, in a way of like, we're all in this mission together, fact-finding stuff. What's your experience? I'll tell you mine. Oh, that's interesting. And you know, at, for a long time, I sought out people who seemed to have strong faith. I was like, tell me, tell me why you have that. I want to know.
1: I really relate to what you said, Colton, because I think and I think the language that I put to that from my point of view is that like in my upbringing and even in all my spiritual wanderings and follies and whatnot, I have this real deep admiration of faith. Like I can't what I can't shake is this like I just respect
0: faith. Can I ask you about faith? Yeah. So both of you just said that you it's in your community. It's in who you are faith uh, is a complicated word and we can dig into exactly what you mean by it but when i hear that i hear i don't hear faith i hear experience trust evidence like i you the people your community at a young age you trusted them they told you this was real that's not faith that's really smart as a kid you believe the thing your p- people told you um and there was a sense that that everyone else believes it that's evidence also that is true is this book. That's evidence. I read that book. That book seems to make sense. That's evidence. If you were a kid, no one around you believed it, and the homeless guy gave you the Bible and be like, "This is the this is it." You'd be like, "I don't know about that, man." Like, you wouldn't have the same degree of quote unquote faith that you do now. Mm-hmm. So, this faith that you're talking about, from what you just said, sounds evidence based. Well, that's.
2: I don't think those things are at odds so what do you
0: mean by faith i guess is my question
2: faith isn't like the absence of doubt i think um i think the app the the opposite of faith would be like absolute certainty that to me is a lack that's the absence of faith so faith is just like like a very strongly held belief about something that you cannot prove like what you said like you can't prove a negative so like yeah you can only have faith about stuff that you can't prove you know and that's why I think science and religion are, should be natural friends because they're both moving towards the thing they can't prove yet. Like once they proved it, science like, cool, move on, next thing, you know. And I think that's a lot of what religion is doing is like, cool, we proved it, next thing, you know. Kind of – sorry, you do you have a
0: – No, I don't understand that last part.
2: With like we proved this next thing?
0: Religion – you're saying religion is adopting and changing and proving things or
2: – Yeah, I think based on what works, like if you look at the church and you look at like something like homosexuality, that is something – that some people still think we have not proved and other churches are like look we're proving this like this that it's f- biological that it's biological oh, that it's I love not that. a sin like let's move on we've already got gay priests some people and some science communities i'm sure there's topics i'm not as well versed in science but i'm sure there's stuff that well, i guess you could do global warming where some people are like it's fucking happening and other people are like you don't know what you're talking about it's not happening and you're like how are we so split on this massive thing like our environment but i think they do the same thing the communities and then some people are like would say you have to have faith to believe that global warming is happening because we haven't proved it yet.
0: But for sure, that's a just because someone says it doesn't mean it's a true statement. Like, yeah, do you know what I mean? That's just that's a. I see a lot of people leveraging this. Like, you have to have as much faith to believe in evolution as I do to believe in the Bible. That's a semantic word trick. Well, I would.
2: Yeah, but that that becomes like an opinion on what facts are true, and that's kind of the where we're at as a culture of like, are these true facts or are these fake news sure. kind of shit? We're like, well, you are literally not thinking about dinosaurs. So like, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know how that. <laughs> I just think, I mean, I,
0: I, I'm so, and I, actually I'm actually happy you said that. I don't like the word facts or true or false really, but like you go where there's a preponderance of evidence. That's just where you go until there's more evidence somewhere else and you just sort of follow that and you actively try to change your mind and learn and grow. And I think it's cool that communities of like, faith, uh, for lack of a better term there, I think it's cool that they adapt and grow. And I, that's yeah. the part of religion I love. Like the idea of like, hey, we're a community we believe something that's outside of ourselves. How best to honor that, how best to grow, and let it, watching that evolve is pretty rad. Yeah, pretty I think rad. that's
2: all faith for me is, is like, I mean, it's like a cocktail of like, uncertainty mixed with hope, mixed with some deep experience, you know?
0: What do you fundamentally believe? I believe
1: that there is a divine that I have a hard time explaining that is interested and involved in my life. And I am trying to figure out how to relate to that divine.
0: Awesome. Love it. What is, what is, why do you think that? What is the evidence for that to you? And I'm not, this is not a debate. No, no, I'm not no, going to no. challenge yeah. any of this. I just, I'm honestly question. curious. Like, why do you think that?
2: It's actually the first episode of our podcast.
1: I think um, I think that I have had a couple of experiences throughout my life that have been somewhat deeply unexplainable to me and it might be because I don't know the deeper psychological things at play and like this is what I would love to talk to you about mentalism and whatnot but I have experienced some things that could just be my brain, could just be coincidence, but they they simply feel like larger issues. They feel like someone being involved in my story in a way beyond my construction.
0: So you, you put God, can I use that word? Is that fair? Mm-hmm, sure. You you put God in the unexplainable. Is that? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I want to know your answer. About why I believe in God? Is yeah. Well, oh, yeah, same, <clears throat> same question. I assume you'd have the same basic statement. Similar. that That separates us. Because we're pretty yeah, yeah, comparable yeah. in a lot of things we believe about the world. Yeah. I think, oh, yeah. yeah.
2: And, I, and I think that's why I enjoy your perspective so much because it's like we enjoy and believe in kind of like opposite sides of the same thing where we're like, mm. I,
0: we like quarters,
2: but like I like heads. And you're like, but I love the fucking quarter though, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, for me, like since I was a little kid, I just always felt like I was talk. there was something else around. Like, Like some inexplicable, I think at my most innocent state in life, I always felt like there was something around, you know what I mean? Something that I felt like I was talking to and I could just be a psychopath, which, you know, one (laughs) explainable reason. But I was early on wrapped that experience around religion. And I don't even think I really, I never liked church. Like I hated church. I hated all of the fucking youth groups my parents made me, I never had a good experience of church in my entire youth. And pretty much to this day, I've had very few positive experiences of organized religion. But I always felt some whimsical, benevolent, kind of like all-seeing thing that was just in the atmosphere, especially when I was alone. And I've never been able to shake that, even when I've experienced severe anxiety, severe depression. I've always felt like there's something else there. No matter how angry I may be at it, I'm still talking at it. And I never feel completely untethered to something. And you can chalk that up to quantum foam or whatever like crazy, you know, physics explanation that might be for feeling connected to everything and everyone and all that is. Um, but that to me was more of my experience. And I, I shelved that for a long time the deeper I got into theology. Like when I went to I went to a Christian college, got my degree in theology. I've got my master's degree in theology. And that has been the biggest hindrance, I think, to that natural aspect of myself, which is that connection to something metaphysical and mysterious. Because I always felt like I had to wrap language and reason and meaning around it. Whereas the f- now I believe in like this tricycle of faith with the front wheel being experience. That's guiding everything and everyone. And it's really arrogant to say that you can somehow be so rational that your experience is not guiding you. I think that... Is how I lived for a long time. And I couldn't be more opposed to anyone who feels like they've reasoned their way beyond their personal experience. Because I'm like, you're more lost than anyone else at this point. Mm. And that's how a lot of pastors and clergy members feel is like, well, I'm up here because I've studied the Greek and the Hebrew and some Latin. And I understand this in a way you could never. But why is that guy's family fucking falling apart? And why is he so cold? And why can't he have a conversation at a bar? Yet he's unlocked some... Crazy metaphysical truth that I haven't found yet, mm. um, and and the the little kid inside me is like that's nah, bullshit. Let's just go play in the yard, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's my experience in. It's, in, so in it's so
0: that's so interesting, and I I relate so hard to the first part of that story. It's almost exactly my experience. Mm. I get that. I know what it's like to feel connected to nature, to, to other people, mm. to something bigger than myself. I get that. I have that in spades and I don't know what it is and I chalked it up to religion or to God first. And then then that segued into sort of a what what about this new age thing? I never was I was always looking to expand, not not contract my beliefs. When I first started, I was like, oh, "What what else is there?" Yeah. I read the Quran and I was like, "Oh, what's this Buddhism thing?" And you know, I was trying to figure it all out. Shintoism was so cool to me for a while. And I uh, was trying to add, add to these beliefs to try to, to not make sense of, but to expand this exact feeling you seem to be talking about. And who knows if it's, if, if it's the exact same thing, but it, it was very similar to what you described. Um, and for me, and I, I guess my question to you is, I then, okay, after developing that, I was like, oh, what other explanations are there? So I took time at great personal cost to just say, okay, what else could it be? Do you think I made a mistake by doing that?
2: No, not at all. I think that's what I love about you. And I I think that's the aspect of myself. It's so hard to hold both truths where you're like, there's so many reasons why this is horseshit, like this whole God belief. Um, And I think those, I think that it's really hard to have faith. I think some people are blessed with like a very childlike faith and they go through, you know, from birth to grave just with a very simplistic, I don't know, sweetheart. Like I always put a southern accent on this set, but like yeah, I don't know. I just offensive I just <laughs> believe because I just always have and I don't need to question it. And I'm like, that's I kind of like that to some we've, degree. We've you know? got
1: one Southern listener who's just like, God damn it, every <laughs> yeah. time I love you guys. I love tuning in. I'm subscribed. I've reviewed it. <laughs> Why must this
0: persecution continue? Listener, I want to tell you, nameless listener, I am from Louisiana. I take oh, umbrage on your you behalf. <laughs> I am angry in the room. But He's also, like, like, let me the let accent. me get
1: in that room, man. I wanna be in that room. Yeah. I'll go tip for tat with both of these motherfuckers. I swear to God.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Like I I uh I don't think there's a big mistake in doing it. I think you've y you, I would say it's a big mistake if you had some sort of like coarseness to you or like some really cynical behavior i'd be like whoa yo whoa you've gone down like one of the many rabbit holes you could have gone down um and i would recommend to you mushrooms or <laughs> you know i did some, ayahuasca they, I did there it. you go I did it um and so i don't know i don't know i think it's uh the more i've studied mysticism the more i've gotten into con- like contemplative prayer we talk about it a bunch on this show like that really has both Poured gasoline on my spiritual fire, and also it sometimes com- completely made me feel like I am detached and just floating in space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's weird. It's just very much a paradox of making me rekindled with that like pure-hearted little kid, and also just feeling like oh no, oh no, we're a cosmic accident. <laughs> sure. You know,
0: to me, uh, and we don't need to go down this rabbit hole further. But I, but to me, the 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 reasons, the biological. Again, I don't want to say I'm a strict materialist, but like the biological reasons for the things that you described, of which there are biological reasons, um, those don't impede my joy or awe or wonder. They They legitimately add to it. They make me more excited, not less excited. That the idea that oh, human brains are capable of hearing voices, feeling connected, existing beyond ourselves, feeling a pull towards something else. All those I take to be externally valid, observable truths about humanity. I think those are all true. And I also believe that people have religious experiences every day. I I take people at their word. But the reasoning behind that, I hear so often that, man, you're just fucking ruining everything for everybody. You're just explaining away things, and that must suck to be you. And I'm like, no, it's so much better. It's so much more wonderful to go look, the garden is beautiful. It doesn't have fairies at the bottom of it. It is beautiful. And so mm-hmm. I, I grant everyone their personal belief, but I I really like whenever possible to push back on the idea that there's some sort of um, exclusive right that, that religion has to awe or wonder. And, and part of that is yeah. the, the different direction that we went upon experiencing it. You know, uh, We yeah. had this connective feeling, the sense of being attended to, of, of discussing things, of feeling comforted in times of grief, of feeling excited in times of awe, And there's different ways to look, to look at it. And I, I do, it was an honest question. I do wonder if, if people think that by, by trying to poke holes in my own beliefs, which I try to do every day, if somehow people think I made a mistake by doing that, if that's somehow made my life worse from an external perspective, I I like to get that sort of feedback.
2: Oh, I, I still love to try to poke holes in my own shit because I've, I'm constantly questioning if I'm, I'm just siloed off. That's just why I love discovering Darren Brown. Have you read
0: the neurobiology of, because of why you have those experiences?
2: Uh some of them. You mean you talk about like awe and, and feeling S- like something other than
0: Yeah, split brain theory.
2: Yeah stuff. Okay. I don't i don't know that theory in particular, but I love materialism. Like that was one of my last classes at seminary and it was almost like I had been like building up a more structured faith and then that last class just like was like and now you're done. <laughs> it's amazing. And then they handed me the stuff that like shattered <laughs> everything a hand and grenade. i'm a like, Oh <laughs> fuck. Like where is the soul in the body if you have Alzheimer's? Like, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole nother topic. But Darren Brown, like, yeah, like made me enjoy picking apart my faith because I've never liked the whole faith healing bullshit. Like, I don't like any of that. Sorry if, if anyone grew up like super Pentecostal and you believe in the whole boom, healed, like, and they're getting shoved to the ground. Like,
1: I grew up that I, way, but I get, but yeah, yeah, I and your, left that
2: behind. Your story is like, I experienced that in college very late in life when we had a conference at APU for the Pentecostal church. It was like their big summer conference and i was a just a camera operator and i was like what the fuck is happening like mm-hmm. before the service even started people were like in the upper decks praying in tongues and it just was like <laughs> and it was the most haunting that was an asmr thing in my ear holy just shit so yes <laughs> it was so good <laughs> dude it made me so g- imagine being in this huge arena and just hearing people walking back and forth awesome. speaking in tongues in the dark because we're setting up for the show and i'm like i don't like this this is mm-hmm. not like whatever piece I have with some mysterious divine figure, this is not helping it. I'm so this into is. it. <laughs> I'd be so into uh, that. From like a kind of like a weird observation, though, right? No,
0: like, not not again. Like there's this weird push and pull. Uh, even this conversation between me as an observer and me as an experiencer, and I mm. and I, I don't want to. I don't want to pretend that I'm an observer above the experience. I right. would be in that thing. I'd be like, oh, what? What? I would try to tap into it. Yeah. I'd try to feel what they're feel. Like, I would be so into the experience of that, not in a way of like these you know, glossolalia, dumb. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd be like, what's up? Yeah. What's up with it? Is this a part of the human experience? I don't know about I just, I think that stuff is rad, man. Like, I used to sneak out and go to tent revivals. This, my favorite religious experience was in South Africa at this like small community. I went to church. I found this church and went to it and it was just fucking amazing. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's, there's a way and I don't know how to do it yet, but there's a way of being in it while still thinking it's not objectively true because the experience is objectively true. It's so, like, how do you, this
2: is why you're so fascinating to me, because the stuff that I'm like, nah, thanks. You're like,
0: oh, well, that's the best part. This, so, yeah, I yeah. love So this is,
1: this is what I'm interested in, because I was absolutely raised Pentecostal, evangelical, very, very, like, within the charismatic tradition. So it's it was all faith healing, all, like, I was encouraged to start trying to, like, pray for my tongues when I was six or seven years old, like... Is very very. It was conservative and fundamentalist, but highly mysticized and spiritual. Uh, everything short of like snake handling, like that was like a bridge too far. But what state are you from? Uh, I uh, irrelevant. But I went to gr- school in Florida. I, yeah, though. I went to college in Florida, but I was raised. I'm a missionary kid, so I was raised in Thailand, Cambodia, and Eastern Europe. I lived in Colorado briefly. I went to college in Florida, and I moved out to California after I graduated. Okay. So my early childhood is as uh, an only child of two missionaries in Southeast Asia. What do you think? Cause, uh, cause I, I agree with, uh, we seem to agree that people are experiencing something mm-hmm. like people aren't like falling out in church in tears and like that. It, they're not making it up. They're experiencing something. Mm-hmm. And I have always, ever since I started kind of like deconstructing my religion and just trying to pursue like, um, a, a more grounded sense of faith and science, I have always been like, what is that? Because I've had experiences where I'm like, I can't explain why I'm just broken down and in tears right now. Mm -hmm. I can't explain why I feel, I mean, I haven't had many of them. I know some people who like chase the high of these spiritual experiences, but I have had, I can count them on one hand, a couple of experiences where I'm like, I don't know what just happened. I can't explain that. I feel, I felt some kind of a presence and I was overcome, mm-hmm. completely broken and overcome. And I can see how easy it is. And I've certainly done it to just be like, that must be God. Mm. I guess that was God. There is a part of me that some, because I had, I've had experiences where I'm like, I feel like I'm hearing a voice. Is my brain freaking out? Am I losing it? Am I like? What is? So I'm just interested in what your opinion is on that. When people are genuinely experiencing something, and they're like, "This is the presence of God." Yeah. Because our brains are complex enough well, that we could just there's be, a
0: science answer, which I don't think this is the one you want, but I'm happy to no, give it. No, I'm
1: I'm that is the one I okay, want. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, I'll give you both then. I there. Let's talk, let's talk for a second about s- speeches and music. Music and um, really moving speeches, they test this on JFK's speech and some of Hitler's speeches actually, that it synchronizes brainwaves of people listening to it. Mm-hmm. We just get in the same rut, and so there is a shared experience, and the, what happens there is we start to react in micro ways that are, that are homogenous, that are the same across the crowd. That gives a weird sense of like, we're all doing something together here, sense of community. There's a lot of examples like that that we know from neuroscience now about how communities align and become uh, bigger than themselves. They become organisms that move um, not in the way any one person would necessarily want, but in the way that the group wants, a sense of totality. And that that has evolutionary basis going back to animal tribes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, There are also simultaneously reasons why you would hear voices. There's reasons why you would have transcendent experiences. There's reasons why music would make you uh, would connect you to the emotional centers of your brain, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I can also refer, refer the studies and stuff to you if you like. But I think the more interesting question is, assuming these things are true, which we all in this room take to be true, we've seen them, we've experienced them, we've had them, we've broken down in tears at certain things, be it services or music or whatever if given that that's the case, let's start there. The question then is why to me, God is the first answer. Okay. I don't, I can't explain this. I've been given this thing. It's God. Why, why stop there? Mm -hmm. Because what risk is it to you to keep looking for more answers? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this is what I run into sometimes is that you stopped at an answer and you didn't keep looking. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I guess not in a sense of judgment. Like I, I, I wonder actively, and I guess this is where I'm at today in my life, of like, is it better to stop? Like, is it, is it just better to be the thing and, and exist in that community and have that moment?
1: That's a fair question indeed, Travis. Why is it the instinct of so many to experience something mildly mysterious and call it a miracle? It feels like basic human instinct to ascribe cosmic significance to mundane events, A lot of us do that, and humans have been doing it for as long as we've been around. But what about the really far-out stuff? Events that defy logic and reason that seem to point to a being beyond our realm. A director rewriting pages of our script and slipping Teamsters cigarettes so the light shines on us just right. But Travis makes a good point. Why is that the answer? Especially if it's our easiest conclusion. Why are we getting off at the first stop on the line? My guess? We're scared. It's dark up there past the godstop, and maybe we just like believing in a little magic. So I had an idea. You can keep your sacred experiences and spiritual memories. We'll dissect one of mine. A quick reminder, I am diagnosed as having depressive disorder. I won't belabor the point, it's very common and it has been covered extensively. I just need you to know that it has been a very painful constant in my life, and for me and many like me, it is an illness. I have been very medically fortunate throughout my life, so this disorder is the only chronic illness I have experienced. All that to say, there are times when curing it would feel like, well, a miracle. Religion is kind of like alcohol to me. Because I have a tendency to depend on it, I try to enjoy it in moderation, unless I get around the wrong kind of people. A few years back, I was in a space of spiritual upheaval and frustration, grasping for answers and absolutely spiraling through a bad depressive episode. So I started hanging out with a group of charismatic Pentecostals. One Saturday morning at about 9 a.m., one of the young ladies in the group called me up. I was still in bed and I had a full day of YouTube and eating my feelings ahead of me, but I picked up. Hey, Dan, glad you answered. Listen, the Lord really put you on my heart this morning. We're all going to this revival meeting in a couple of hours and I think God just really spoke to me and told me you should come. God wants you there. God hadn't said anything to me, but I decided to go for it. The revival was a massive prayer event being held at the L.A. Coliseum. Something like 50,000 people came to this thing. It was huge. We entered the stands and found some seats high up towards the back of the stadium. Worship bands played on a huge central stage as pastors from around the world would get up and make bold prophetic declarations about the revival God was bringing down from heaven. I looked around and was absolutely stupefied to notice another small group of friends, a few of them I was extremely close to, but completely unaffiliated with my group, sitting just a few rows behind us. That was a pretty wild coincidence. We all settled in, and everyone got to praising the Lamb of God, glory hallelujah, except me. I still had my doubts, and I had quickly started wishing I had just stayed in bed. I was simply not feeling the power of the Holy Spirit. I sat quietly for a good 20 minutes or so and started planning on a polite way to take my leave. Then one of my companions, a young woman sitting next to me, put her hand on my shoulder and quietly said, God wants to take away your depression. I looked at her, a little stunned. We had never spoken about this. And she said again, God wants to heal your depression. Then I completely broke down. I hunched over onto myself and started sobbing into my hands, having a full breakdown. She put her hands on me and just began praying, God is healing you of your despair, your hurt, and your suicidal thoughts. He is taking it all away. I see arrows of fear and hopelessness that the devil has attacked you with, but God is pulling those arrows out and you are healed. I felt her hands on me, then two more, then even more. Soon, a small group all gathered around me, praying loudly, speaking words of encouragement, and declaring healing while I sobbed. This went on for at least another 20 minutes. When my sobbing subsided and hugs were shared, I felt absolutely incredible. I felt light and full of hope and promise. I felt healed. The young woman who had invited me smiled at me and said, I knew God wanted you here. It was a miracle. Well, It was a miracle that lasted a few weeks actually i think i got a solid two months out of that but alas i would get depressed again all my same symptoms would come back it's been over three years and i've had worse depressive bouts than that one so what happened what was that i'm going to fully admit in hindsight this one is not all that elusive of a mystery it absolutely felt like a miracle at the time because i was so hungry for relief And ironically, that hunger for relief is exactly what made me open to spiritual experience. Psychologists have studied the brains of people experiencing the transcendent, like meditating monks and praying nuns. Portions of the brain are turned on and off by prayer and mindfulness, and even the types of mindfulness we engage in, such as word-based or image-based, isolate parts of the brain in different ways. They've also experimented with electromagnets being placed on individuals' heads, sending low-frequency signals into different portions of the brain, and they can successfully create a sense of what subjects call divine presence, transcendent peace, and in rare occasions, even some visions. They call the device placed on the heads of these test subjects, the God helmet. There is a subset of the general population that is psychologically geared towards absorption, a scientific term that generally refers to people more open to experiential stimuli. These are the people whose brains seem to be more sensitive to visual and auditory cues, like sunsets or powerful music. Individuals with synesthesia, a neurological phenomenon in which people experience sound as colors or images, are extreme versions of those within the experiential subset. These are people who are also prone to draw emotional connections between otherwise random events. Perhaps most importantly, psychologists agree this is a learned response to stimulus people can be educated through social instruction like church and through mindful meditation like prayer to see narrative in randomness connection in chaos i am absolutely one of those people of course my friend could tell i was depressed i'm not good at hiding it it was all over my face my body the way i spoke Of course the physical contact of a loving hand on my shoulder created a neurological initiation of serotonin, dopamine, and endorphins to be released by my brain into my bloodstream, unlocking an emotional release of tension. My friend called it God, but she could have easily just said, I see you are hurting, but I'm glad you're here and I love you. And I would have wept the same way. Sobbing and being handled lovingly by people who cared about me temporarily reversed my depression, because that is how human brains work. Our brains react to stimulus of music, the concentration of prayer, and the bond of community by doing what brains are designed to do. They make meaning. I'm going to get back to our conversation with Travis now, but I want you to tune in for our next episode of The Back Pew. We are going to have a conversation there with a really awesome subject who personally made me challenge some of my reductionistic psychology notes here. In this episode... I was really only interested in how our brain experiences what it does. Personally, I'm more interested in why. Back to Travis.
2: I know you can't really like give away magic tricks. And how they <laughs> work, <right? 'Cause laughs> this is the how-to section of the, section this of the podcast. The of the well, I just we're going to pull up a little we're bit. we talk about double
0: lifts. And, well, how do forces work? Uh, a force is a way of getting someone to do something uh, while the, uh, them thinking they have a free choice.
2: Right. So like there's with like cards. 100 different forces. Really? Yeah. So like when they fan through the deck of cards and I say 5 of clubs and that's you force that. Is that literally just a pause in the full of the I don't understand how it works. I've heard them talk about it so yeah, much. Yeah,
0: uh, that's one force. Um that's called a flip force and and, and I they're You're partly right. There's a lot of mechanics going on, and most of the magicians who do that, I would argue, don't know the full mechanics of why it works, and some people are more effective at it than others because they understand all of the subtleties going into it. Um, Forces are interesting, unless it's a purely mechanical force. Forces are interesting because sometimes they rely on um, understanding humans a little better and trying to figure out okay i don't know why that works let me try that a little bit and magic is the testing grounds where you can test your theories about human behavior it's the only place you can go test it you go oh, i think th- i think people are like this okay show me are they
2: so you think there's like playing on preferences on like people just like the five of clubs
0: i don't think that um i think that's a fake explanation that a magician would give you at a show but i don't think that's true I, don't, I, I, I I. think there are sec, There. Are, how do I say this? There's parts of a magic show that could rely on a percentage basis. If it's a trick that a magician does every night, you can be damn sure it's going to hit, which means it can't be probability-based. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. yeah. That's the thing is like they seem to be banking on it works every time if I'm going to get on stage and do this in front of Penn and Teller.
0: Right, which gives you a sense of how it must be done, right? The How's false it? explanation is I read your micro expressions right. or I influenced you. Well, you know that can't be true. Your starting point is like, well, magic's not real. So what? <laughs> so what? Yeah. Right?
2: I guess, are there any like foundations you can give us to something like even what we saw at the uh, Black Rabbit Rose where mm-hmm. she typed something into her phone aside from a fucking mirror above her that he's looking here and the mirror is bouncing off that and coming back down. Why he? But he had it already like a photo of the thing she had typed in on his Instagram. Mm-hmm. Remember that? I do.
0: I mean, what are the ba- <laughs> <laughs> specific? That's not a foundational question. That's how his trick was done. Uh, there are foundations, I think, that are interesting, that are that are great, and I gravitated towards mentalism because the foundational questions are more interesting to me fundamentally than than.
2: Was that trick even mentalism?
0: In that, it gave the appearance of prediction. Yes, it was. Uh, mentalism. I, uh, let me put it this way. The same effect can be presented as a mentalist effect or presented as a, just a magic trick. It depends on how you present it. So, um, you know, if, if I say I'm going to read your mind or I'm going to influence you to do something, that, those tend to fall in the mentalist camp because it's giving the impression of uh, mental manipulation or mental receptivity, right? Um, but uh, you can take the same mechanical effect and dress it up differently and just make it look like a magic trick or something. That's what what makes magic consulting so fun. I've a lot of friends who are magic consultants on television shows. And they're like, okay, here's the effect we want to do. Here's eight ways of doing it. What's the best? That's that's cool.
2: So the code is like you can consult and (laughs) tell people ways of getting things done, but you can't reveal. I mean, it just. Because that seems like a fine line between telling someone on a podcast how it may have been done versus consulting because you're getting paid for CBS. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a fine line.
2: the the magic community is so fascinating. There's like this weird loyalty that I'm like blown away by where you don't find a truckload of YouTube clips of people explaining major tricks because they only tell like one or two people. And those one or two people are so either loyal or.
0: Well, what's so interesting uh, and hold that, whatever you're going to say, I'm curious. I, I, um, one of my one of my best friends is a wonderful magician, and his act right now is is incredible. His name is Ben Seidman. Go look him up, um, com. But he, uh, I told him the other day, I was like, your your act is so wonderful, and is it gonna die with you? Like, you hold secrets right now that are so incredible, and you've designed them, you've invented them. You he only performs his own effects. Mm. I was like, this is tragic that every day. Secrets are dying, like, yeah. and I think I think conmen and I think magicians and all these older communities are so fascinating because they hold secrets because they because the secrets are important to them because they they made the living off of them because they provide wonder and they right. are they are the if you if you it's in the prestige but if you tell someone how right. tricks done it's not interesting right. it's like who cares the the uh, the secrets are rarely interesting but the magic is interesting and he was he was like yeah it's kind of weird that this this uh, maybe I'll reveal it at some point maybe I'll publish it. Maybe it'll die with me. I don't know.
2: And I'm the guy that drowns myself in order to find out the answer. Sure. Versus just being like, it's a
0: fucking twin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, Spoiler alert for uh, prestige. Spoiler alert for the prestige, you guys.
2: Oh, it's been like
1: 20 years, dude. <laughs> our so. our one southern listener's like, God damn it, I got it from the red box just a couple days ago. I was gonna get to it.
2: Shit, man. Finished reading my Heidegger book. <laughs> Why do I still
1: listen to the back pews? <laughs> I have, a, I have a very direct question, and you can answer this however you like. Do you have any specific opinions on Jesus
0: uh, in
1: terms of, like... In terms of his validity or veracity? Yeah, do you think... Like, is it... Are you... Because I have heard the camp, but I've never heard it very well explained. Like, oh, he was a con man. I've always, I have always been of, like, I think he either really, really believed that what he was saying was true, or... He was just a lunatic, like. Well, the-
0: you got to put him in proper context. There, that area of the world was awash with prophets at that time, right? Mm-hmm. There's just it's the thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's not. This was a, globally speaking, this is a very very localized, um, part of the world that was awash in superstition. It was in a mostly illiterate part of the world at that point. I think China could read. Jesus doesn't choose to show up there. Jesus chooses to show up in the most illiterate part of the globe. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, one of the most illiterate parts of the globe. Um, and so I think that if you take the context, I have friends who think that they're psychic because they're, all their friends say they're psychic. And there's a... Mm-hmm. There's a, a the, the ether in which they exist is different than the ether that you and I exist in. Mm-hmm. So I think it's possible he believed it. I think it's possible uh, he was trying to gain followers. But also, uh, a lot of the things that have been attributed to him, textually, were written much later... And so I think that some of the more outlandish claims and some of the miracles that are ascribed to him come later and they sort of back engineering the Messiah myth. I, it's my personal take from having read this a decade ago and who knows if I'm remembering it correctly, is that that I don't. some of the more outlandish claims that are ascribed to him, I don't think that he probably made those. I think he probably um, earnestly believed some of those things about making a better place. I think he was one of many prophets at that time who were sort of espousing a message simultaneously I agree with Kurt Vonnegut who said that without the Sermon on the Mount I'd rather be a dog than a human I think it's one of the most beautiful pieces of writing in human history Mm -hmm. and I don't want any belief system that throws out the Sermon on the Mount Mm -hmm. because what a wonderful encapsulation of how humans ought to be Mm -hmm. so yeah I think I think I don't take him as a divine person I've come I've come on the side eventually of thinking that he probably existed to some degree Um, I don't I don't think if I'm just putting money somewhere I don't think he thought he was divine. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. I and went down a uh, Jesus rabbit hole for about a year of like yeah. s- the lost years of Jesus, all those books. I read them. The Case two- for Christ. Oh, man, I did I would it.
1: rather I would rather, again, this goes back to like what I would rather believe. I would rather believe Jesus is just like benevolent and dead wrong than believe he's some sort of nefarious con man. Like I suspect that, he's not. Uh, yeah, you know, that would I, be I, tough yeah. for me. Also, I didn't
2: really strive for power, which yeah. would be like the the earmark of a uh, cult leader or... But
0: one of the ways of... of uh, one of the things of the time period is that um, people with more followers, that's the only way you could accumulate power from that social standing he was born into. So yeah. there is a sense that it's possible he was accumulating didn't power. Never really g- ever get him anywhere. Yeah, you know it's, I mean? it's possible that he was, to the best of his ability, accumulating power. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's possible. So the question
1: that we always, that we always put to our guest, and you're free to interpret it however you like. The question is generally, what is something about God, faith, the universe, whatever you might like that you would confer upon the public or just upon people in general? Uh, what is some truth that you hold to be like important, a truth, a message, a strong feeling you have just a final
0: word, a truth, a message or a strong feeling? Um, I, I would say this, that looking at yourself from an other perspective, from another perspective, be it a God perspective or be it another human being's perspective is probably the best thing you can do. And I think the more we take other people's perspectives and see ourselves as a part of a community and as part of a, a earth sharing a lived experience, the better life will be, regardless of what you believe and regardless of what's real. I take that to be true that we can improve our experience here by having compassion and taking perspective of other people and doing our best to be a community and a society. Beautiful. Awesome.
2: Is there any place where people can find stuff you're working on, whether it's videos or is it just watch, uh, keep
0: uh, an eye Twitter, out Twitter, I guess, and Instagram Okay. at Travis and two S's. Travis do, you
2: got, Centel. do you got any projects that are coming out?
0: Yeah, I'm writing a movie right now. Um, I'm adapting a book. I won't say here, just in case I'm not sure where we're at with it. Um, okay, did, so we won't refer people to Yeah, it. <laughs> don't refer people to that. Yeah, just uh, at Travis and Tell. I'll post things there, probably. And okay. the,
1: the, the two shows that are already out that you've worked yeah. on, that's Rez Aslan's show is called... Believer. And the other show is... It's
0: called... Oh, you know what? I do want to plug something. It's called um, Electric Dreams. Okay. Uh, the episode my writing partner and I wrote is called Safe and Sound. Okay. I would, I would encourage people, if any of this is interesting to you, There's a uh, we have a podcast called Does Your Favorite Movie Suck? does your favorite movie suck? (laughs) And we revisit uh, classic movies from the 80s and 90s that actually might suck. Um, And uh, we we take a real hard look at it. And uh, we try to separate childhood nostalgia from grown-up um,
1: you thinking. you oh, ruin awesome. the magic, as Some, it were. Sometimes we make it better. <laughs> sometimes
0: it turns out we make it better. A lot of times we shit on it. Awesome. Not, not, uh, it's honest, though. It's not an intentional bashing show.
1: I'm going to listen to it immediately.
2: Yes. Yeah, nice. All right. Travis, dude, thanks for your insight. Thanks for everything. Thanks for having me. This thanks is awesome. Thanks for being
0: guys. here. Thank you.